listening to the Piercing Wizard podcast brought to you in part by all your generous support at patreon.com slash ryanpba, where I'm adding new educational on-demand content monthly. In July 2021, I'll add a whole new presentation about draping, as well as a video version of this podcast and the part two, which will be coming up later this month. That joins classes on tapers, needles, statum sterilizers, and a dozen other subjects. Thanks for your support. Let's get into episode... All right. So, hello, hello, and um, welcome back to the Piercing Wizard podcast, such as it is. Um, I, I had talked before about trying to step back up to doing like weekly shows, and uh, I changed my mind. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to continue doing, uh, special episodes, but, um, I got reminded that I, I don't, I don't want to. So, um, we've, we've gotten a lot of really good feedback from our, uh, ask me anything episodes. So I thought I would do another one of those with you. So we can just kind of talk about some casual subjects and, and just have fun and talk to each other. And you have your Bombay bad boy cup noodles. So, um, in between bites of noodles, go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Lola Slider. I enjoy um, Bombay Bad Boy Pot Noodles. And um, almost anything that's extremely spicy. Mm-hmm. That's why I like you. Mm. Um, I am a professional body piercer. Uh, I own and pierce at Forest Piercing in Glasgow. I am a UKPP member and a member of the APP. And currently volunteer for the board of directors for the UKPP in the role of president. And um, get it while you can, folks, because Lola's term as president wraps up in September this year. So I'll say it again, like when we get closer, um, but I just want to say that I'm very proud of you for your hard work. Um, And I, I am very well aware as a former APP board member that a lot of volunteering revolves around um, just trying to not get crushed by people yelling <laughs> at you all the time and uh, that your hard work is never enough. But I would just like to say that I'm very proud of you for all the hard work that you continue to do and that you're very smart and you're very pretty. Thank you. Um, so I want to just kind of get into some of these questions. Um, and whenever I, whenever I make forms available to people uh, and and get the responses. I I get a lot of really similar things. So some of these questions might be a little bit similar to ones that we've covered in the past, but um, things change for you. Things change for me. We have like evolving thoughts on a lot of these subjects. So um, some of them might be kind of like repeat subjects, but they're probably going to be fresh answers. So the first thing I want to talk about is septum piercings. And um, you know, for people who don't already know, if it's not already obvious, uh, we are boyfriend and girlfriend, and we have a lot of conversations other than just like, hey, let me ask you troubleshooting on this this piercing or what this industry issue. A lot of it is just like, how was your day? And I'll, there are plenty of days for both of us where it's just like, oh, God damn it, this septum today. And um, it can get really frustrating. So this this question, I think, will resonate for for both of us. Uh, And it's, what is your advice for a piercer from California 
who hasn't done a septum piercing in 14 months and is terrified about being flooded with them again once the California mask mandate is lifted. This question was submitted a few weeks ago. Since then, the California mask mandate has been lifted along with the mask mandates for lots of other regions, Glasgow, Scotland included. So what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you're a skilled piercer. You did lots of septums before the pandemic. Uh, and then you had a, a, a large break off. And then when those mask mandates were lifted, I'm sure you got a flood of people that wanted those under mask services. So what was it like going from, I haven't done a septum in quite a while to I'm getting a lot of requests for septums now? Well, um, I'm, I'm in almost an identical situation. Obviously this is from a few weeks ago, um, but similarly, I hadn't done a septum piercing from March, 2020 to um, June 2021. Um, so about the same kind of time frame, maybe a little bit more. And um, at first, I, I had a really healthy attitude about it, which I think is a good thing, which is just that, you know, you haven't suddenly lost all of the skills that you had, everything that you know, that you knew then, you know, you still know. But I was actually, you know, not to, you know, worry anybody, but I was definitely knocked a little bit by how much um, intuition is definitely lost over that time period. For me, septum piercings have always been really intuitive. I've never had a lot of success with clamp style piercing. Um, before the pandemic, um, I was just pretty much exclusively freehand piercing uh, for, for septum piercings in particular. And coming back from that after 15 months, the thought of just putting a, a needle up somebody's nose with nothing at the other side other than my hand. And it's not just the, the physical element of the muscle memory that's lost. There's also the psychological element of, you've been getting told for like a year and a half that the worst thing you can see is someone's uncovered mouth and nose. So there is definitely an element there. And it's, it's not as um, simple as just, oh, I'm worried about getting sick. It's not so much that anymore. It's just that you can't deny there is a psychological element to like being trained to think something every minute of every day for a year and a half. And then just thinking, oh, I'll be fine. You know, like, so um, the best advice I guess I would give would be, I know it's, it doesn't sound very helpful, but take your time. And what I mean by that is give yourself longer appointments for septum piercing. Um, to allow for you to, I mean, move people around. You're, you might be wearing PPE that you didn't wear before that might be getting in the way of your vision, your spatial awareness and depth perception. A lot of that stuff can be affected. Um, I know when I first started wearing a visor and I could talk and like hear myself talking, it was a bit confusing. Um, so give yourself a little bit more time to adjust to that um, and move people around. Like I've had people sitting up and lying down and I've been moving around in all different positions. And I think it took me like seven or eight people to get to the point where I'd figured out the position I was supposed to be in. Because on top of me not having done them, I also switched piercing rooms um, from the start of the pandemic to a much larger room. So the room I'm in now, I'd never done septum piercing in before. So the layout of the room, the lighting of the room, um, all of that stuff is different as well. And obviously lighting plays a huge role in, in prepping and marking a septum piercing. So um, 
I don't think that it would hurt to warn your customers, you know, this is something that we want to take a lot of care doing. And that means that we're going to block off a little bit more time. Um, that might make you feel worried that maybe your customers aren't going to be as trusting of you, but you have to be re realistic and say to them, this is a service I haven't offered in, in almost a year and a half. And I want to make sure that we take the time that we need with it to get the best result for you. And that might mean asking you to sit in a few different positions and trying at different lighting. Is that okay? Um, so I, I, I think that that would be what I would suggest. Yeah, that all sounds good. Um, pre-pandemic versus, I mean, we can't call it post-pandemic, but no. um, current, -pandemic. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, during pandemic piercing, um, I my septum piercing technique is completely different. Uh, Pre-pandemic, I had everyone sitting up. Um, now I have everyone laying down. Um, I'm using clamps. I, I stand in a specific position. I do this, I do that. Um, I would say that overall, my septum game is probably stronger now than it was before the pandemic, just because before, like it was a, it was a common piercing, but now it's like a high demand piercing. Um, we're doing more now than I think we had ever really done percentage wise. And it's given me a lot more opportunities to refine my, my method, uh, my technique for it time. Um, I wouldn't say that I use more time because I'm I'm already kind of comfortable. I'm a few I'm I'm a few weeks ahead of other people in other regions, um, but uh, yeah, when I when I first was uh, permitted to do them and and you know was comfortable doing them, uh, every septum piercing felt like oh man, I have to do a septum piercing, and now it's it's kind of back in that pattern of just like okay, the next one's a septum, and then the next one after that's an earlobe, and the next one after that's whatever. So, I'm not getting the same kind of cold sweats. Um, but at first, it was like it it felt very foreign, it felt very different. But I did have to just kind of go back and rely on that fact that like, hey, I've done so many septums. I you know it's it's that whole thing. It's it's just like having sex with a bike. You know, you never forget. Um, so. It, it didn't take me long to get comfortable with it again, but it did feel different. It did feel foreign. So if you're just getting back into it, I think uh, your advice is probably the best is just take a lot more time for it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with drawing a million marks and dots and lines all over a person's face. If you feel like that helps, there's nothing wrong with setting up for more than one method. If you wanna, if you're comfortable with freehand, but you also wanna have a receiving tube ready, if you're comfortable with the receiving tube, but you also want to have a clamp ready, whatever, you know, uh, it's going to take you a little bit of time to get back to your, your comfort zone. Just know that if you're out there and you're a you know, skilled, experienced piercer, that stuff's not going to go away just because you had to take some, some time away from the job. Yeah, the best way that I can describe it is it's like just the confidence is gone. And it's weird mm -hmm. knowing that you can do something and knowing how something works but still having none of the confidence there to be able to achieve it is definitely a big deal for a lot of people. I mean, I was just a complete mess last week. You know, like you had to talk to me because the the whole, you know, like being flooded with septum piercings again was really overwhelming. And there's, it's kind of, you know, there's good things about it and bad things about it. The bad thing is like, it can get really overwhelming. Like septum piercings are, one of the most diverse parts of the body in terms of shape and size and structure. And, and they're also one of the least visible parts of the body. So 
it's not an exaggeration to say that, you know, the reason people have such mixed results is because they are endlessly challenging. Um, mm. So it, it is very scary and very overwhelming. But the other side to it is if you've not been allowed to do them in a really long time, everyone's going to be going through the same thing. Like everybody in your region is going to be going through that exact same thing with you. So it's not like you're the only one that's having difficulties. Um, and lastly, just that um, if you are suddenly surrounded by them and immersed in them again, it does help you build back that confidence and that intuition because it's like, you found that difficult? Well, too bad, because in five minutes you have another one. So you have to just get it together because there's going to be somebody here. And mm -hmm. it's just that over and over again for, you know, probably a few weeks whilst that initial demand dies down. So there's there's definitely a, a scary element to it, but that can also be really good for you in a professional sense because it, it kind of takes the emotion out of it when it's just like, get over it because there's going to be somebody else here soon. So you need to pull yourself together. And I, I think mm -hmm. sometimes that can be really good for you. It's, you're, you're not going to forget how to do septums, but you can forget some of that confidence that you've built over years and years and years of doing septums. And I also just want to say that it's adorable that you think that the demand will die down because it won't. Um, like once people are allowed to take their masks off, we're all going to be doing nostrils and septums as like the majority of our day for the foreseeable future. And I'm, in, I'm into it. I'm cool with it. But um, just if, if anybody out there hasn't already started to uh, think about their jewelry quantities and all that stuff, like, just like there was a point a year or two ago where I said on the show, like, hey, be ready for earlobes because that's going to be the next thing. Um, septum piercings and nostril piercings. If they're not already the thing for you right now, they will be within a very short amount of time. So be ready for it inventory wise. But you can keep talking. I'm just going to plug in my other microphone. I don't have things to say. Talk about your noodles. They're pretty good. Wow, you're so descriptive. It's like I'm it's like I'm right there with you eating them. Well, look, the way that, that this works is that we talk because we're talking to each other. When you leave, I'm just sat here by myself. You know, like I think for people that don't know or that aren't familiar with how the QA format works is Ryan will be submitted the questions, but I won't know what the questions are. And that's done deliberately because otherwise it's very difficult to have a genuine conversation take place when you know everything that's going to be said and you can think about it and overanalyze it and think of what's the perfect answer. Sometimes that's not as helpful because you filter yourself and you filter yourself and, and you think, well, what? Well, I could say that, but then what if somebody thinks this and I should really include this information and you overthink it to the point where it just becomes like a public service announcement, not a conversation between like two piercers. I mean, like, that's what I like about doing these things with you is we just talk like there's nobody else here. Well, yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about on septums or do you think we, we hit it? No, I, I think that's pretty much everything I had to say. Okay. Um, I got a, a, another septum question and uh, I'll touch on it very lightly because it's, it's clamp based. And I know that you're not really much of a, a, a clamp person when it comes to septums, especially, but 
Uh, it says, if you were to pierce a septum with a septum clamp, could you please explain, explain how you use them? I see some piercers push up with them during the piercing or pull forward or down. Just curious on your take. And just lightly what I want to mention, because this never really clicked for me until I was teaching a class. And sometimes when I teach a class, you know, obviously I'm the person teaching the class. So it's, it's obviously from my perspective. Sometimes I don't think out some of the aspects of it because it's just like, it's natural to me. A lot of times when I'm, I'm teaching something that's tool-based, the tool is the extension of my hand. So sometimes I might be making these tiny little movements that somebody else might notice, but I don't necessarily notice. And one thing that Shorty actually mentioned to me was that um, when I put a septum clamp on, I go up higher than where I want to pierce the septum and I, I clamp and then I pull down a little bit. And I think that that's really similar to uh, like you're primarily a freehand piercer with septums. When you pierce septums, are you doing anything to kind of like elongate the septum or stretch it out or kind of open up that sweet spot through tissue manipulation? Are you doing anything like that? Yeah, when I clean people, I put my fingers up their nostrils and like wiggle everything and pull everything down. And you know, like you feel that clicking sensation. Yeah. I kind of loosen that up as much as I can before piercing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I do that. Well, if you're, if you're a clamp piercer or if you're kind of trying out clamps, um, it's just that exact same thing, but the tool is an extension of your fingers. So now when I'm doing septums, I, I actually haven't improved my septum game because of that insight from, from Shorty, who uh, was someone, we, we've talked about it before on the show for a, a long time. Shorty wasn't very comfortable and confident with septum piercings. And um, so it was great having a conversation about what I do and why I do it. And some of it was like, well, I'm not really sure why I do it. It's just, I do it. It's just like, you know, you're not really sure exactly why you move your fingers the way you move your fingers sometimes. So if you're trying out a septum clamp or if you're using a septum clamp and it's not really clicking for you, try to think of it as more an extension of your fingers. And if you're already comfortable putting your fingers up someone's nose to probe for the sweet spot, to feel and evaluate their anatomy, if you're stretching and elongating and doing all these things, when you're piercing with a clamp, you're just doing those same motions, but you're using the, the ends of the clamp to replace your fingers. So now, you know, I'll, I'll put whatever marks, I'll check with my actual digital fingers um, and I'll, I'll feel around in there. And then I'll kind of have this uh, mental evaluation of like, oh yeah, there's this feature, there's that feature. Maybe this is a little bit misaligned or um, uh, deviated or, or whatever. And then when I put the clamps on there, I go up pretty high and I compress the septum and I pull down a little bit and that's kind of spreading out that sweet spot a little bit. So when I pierce straight through, I'm piercing an expanded sweet spot, tends to get it a little bit straighter, which is, I think, you know, again, I'm not a freehand piercer when it comes to septum specifically, but whenever I hear people talking about freehand septums, a lot of it is tissue manipulation and elongate and stretch out that sweet spot. So when you pierce through, you'll get kind of a more naturally straight piercing. And you can also recreate that with clamps. Tools are really just there to replace your fingers or be an extension of your fingers. Um, it's not necessarily like a, you know, reinventing body piercing. It's just, you know, utilizing something in place of your fingers. So if you're having trouble with clamps, you know, maybe think of it in those terms and you might get um, some, some different results. Fizz. So this next one is a short question, but there might be, <clears throat> oh. <laughs> this next one is a short question, 
but there might be some discussion on it. Do you allow spectators when you're piercing? Um, do you find it distracting? Yes. No, no and then yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, talk about your, your reasoning. Well, um, to be blunt, any time ever in the history of my career that I've given in and said, sure, you can watch, it's been a disaster. Um, I, I feel like, uh, I, well, first of all, I want to clarify that for me, a spectator isn't someone that's translating or assisting. Um, or, or a parent of a minor. Or, or who's there for consent purposes, you know, mm -hmm. like um, those, those kind of situations do totally happen. So, you know, if somebody, for example, can't understand me, I'm not going to be like, get in there by yourself. You know, like those those kind of situations are completely different. We're just talking about um, when somebody wants a friend to come in and watch. I refer to them as a guest. Yeah, um, but not the same as someone that's there for another purpose for the, yeah. the well-being of the client that's there. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the only exception I ever used to make uh, was for genital piercing. If someone was having a genital piercing done, they could have somebody there you know to come in with them as a, as a chaperone you know a partner or a friend uh, and then I had to I had to stop offering that service as well um and would you know pierce people like back to back and I would even let them come in and like look at the work and be like oh do you you know do you want your partner to have a look before you get dressed and everything just because it's nice to show somebody you know like if you're excited about having something done you know I would allow that um but I I had to stop letting other people in the room to watch um and there's there's lots of reasons for that and I guess it does come down to the individual's comfort level and how they manage the space and how they manage additional stress. And I've seen other piercers do it and be amazing at it. Um, so I wouldn't just say that it's like a universal thing and that nobody should do it. Um, and if you know I'm not managing my space um, as effectively with more than one person, then that failing is definitely on me. But at the end of the day, it is my space and I have to manage it in, in the way that's best for me and for my client. And from my experience, people who are particularly nervous uh, tend to perform far better when they're by themselves than when they're with a friend. It's almost amazing the transformation that I've seen take place when a group of people come in, not that a group can come in now, it's just one in, one out, you know, since the pandemic. But when a group of people would come in and would just be completely, you know, like through the roof with excitement and nerves and lots of, you know, shouting and screaming and excitement and, and, and all that kind of thing. And there's always one friend that everyone's winding up and making even more nervous than they need to be. And the whole thing is a lot more emotionally labor intensive to, to manage. And as soon as you would take one person away and say, okay, are you ready? Should we go through? It's like, they're just like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, and, and are completely capable and, um, you know, you're then able to work with them to try and give them a really positive and really good experience. Um, I can't think, I, I, well, no, I can think of probably less than a handful of times in my entire career piercing that I've said, I'm sorry, but you know, your friend can't come in and watch that someone said, well, I'm not getting it done. Like less than a handful of times over 10, like in 10, 11 years um, has that ever happened. So for me, it's, it's not been a huge issue. I know in other countries it might be incredibly normal and not having a friend come in with you might be might be considered to be weird is it something that's a lot more normal where you are uh yes and no um 
before the pandemic, my, my general rule was you can have one guest with you. Um, and like anyone can have one guest. Now, if it was a minor, the one guest was the parent. That's it. They couldn't have the parent plus a friend, parent plus uh, uh, and anybody as a guest. It was the client and the parent if it was a minor. Um, if we're talking about adults, uh, basically my rule would be the guest, whoever it is, has to be an adult. So I won't let a minor observe a piercing um, because of a multitude of reasons. There was one time where I pierced an adult and they had like um, a teenage friend or neighbor or something like that that came along. And then that minor's parent got upset that they watched me. It wasn't an intimate area piercing. It was just like, you know, a nostril or whatever it was, but the parent got upset. And I just assumed that that teenager was the, the child of the adult client that I was piercing. So now my, my, my rules have to get a little bit more complicated. And when it gets complicated, I would rather it just be like no guests, which was fantastic during the pandemic. The pandemic did have some silver linings to it. I mean, it was a miserable year, but that's what led me to being appointment only, which I completely love now. Um, and it, we also had a, a no guests rule. Again, if uh, someone was a minor, their parent had to be with them. So, you know, but I didn't really count that as necessarily guest. Um, but when it came to like nipple piercings, genital piercings, intimate area piercings, we, we kind of found out like right away that some people were just inherently going to be uncomfortable with, without having like a safety friend for, for lack of a better term. So right away, um, we kind of changed our policy. That was like, okay, no guests, but if you have special requirements for comfort or other reasons, please let us know and we'll make whatever accommodations we can. So like, you know, of course, we're not going to tell somebody you're, you're, you're forced to do this intimate thing and you can't have someone there for your own personal comfort or if you feel like you need something for more than comfort, for safety or for, for whatever. Like, who am I to say that you can't have that as long as it's legally permissible? Now, as we're kind of moving beyond some of the COVID restrictions, um, we've decided to keep a lot of the, the changes that, that we made during the pandemic. Like we're going to stay appointment only. We're going to stay locked door. Like we only let people in um, for their appointment. We don't let people walk in for any reason, even just to, to browse or look at jewelry or ask questions. And we're probably going to keep it at um, advertised as no guests, but making those certain accommodations, you know, a parent in with a minor, if you're doing an intimate area piercing, you can have one adult guest in with you, things like that. But I do kind of agree that it's nice to not have the distraction because that's not what it is all the time, but it has been a distraction enough of the time where I, I enjoy not having guests. Um, we have a posted sign on the wall in the, the piercing area that says, please don't use your phone. And still when we do have uh, someone else in the room while we're doing a piercing, a lot of times it's like their phone is going off. They're watching YouTube, Instagram, they're playing a game. And it's like, would would you just mind um, waiting until we're done to use your phone? It's a bit distracting. Uh, I very firmly have a do not take any pictures or video during a piercing policy because I've had customers flash me right in the eyes, like for taking pictures while I'm doing a piercing and all kinds of distractions. So I see both sides of it. Maybe the client wants that shared experience with someone uh, or it will make them more comfortable. But when it's outside of the, 
you need assistance filling out a form or with translation, or you need a parent there, or it's an intimate area. So you maybe want a, a partner or someone else to, to share that experience. Outside of that, I kind of enjoy not having the extra guests. I can see both sides of it, but I don't, I don't miss having extra people in the, the, the piercing room when I'm working. I think it just has to be one of those things that's like a studio to studio or even sometimes piercer to piercer kind of decision. Sure. Although it is easier if the studio has its own kind of set rule on it so that it doesn't confuse clients if they're seeing different piercers. But I don't think that there's like a right or a wrong answer. If you can manage your space just as well with multiple people in the room, then I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but mm -hmm. if you don't feel like you can manage the spaces effectively, which, and I, I don't feel like I can manage the spaces effectively because I'm worrying about, are they touching things they shouldn't touch? Are they doing things? Are they, you know, filming me? Are they taking photographs? Are they going to be talking to the, to the customer? And cause you can't tell them not to talk to each other. You know, that's, that's a bit much, but even if you say, you know, like, please don't move from that area, stay in that area. Um, you, it can be a little bit difficult when you get clients that tend to wind each other up a little bit, you know, like friends will do that yeah. sometimes, maybe make each other more nervous or try and freak each other out. And there's really no way for you to have complete control over that. Um, and for me, I just find that the best way that I can get my clients through an experience, especially if they're nervous, is to just remove as many variables from the scenario as possible so that they only have to focus on getting pierced and that's it basically. Like I don't want things suddenly making them more stressed or nervous than they need to be. And that works best for me. Um, but you know, if other piercers uh, are better at people managing than me, then I don't think there's anything wrong with having more people in to watch. Um, sometimes I feel that all the, all the things that I do to control the extra person in the room detracts from the experience of, of the client. Like we, we've, we've talked plenty of times on plenty of different subjects about uh, one big aspect of our job is assessing, uh, minimizing risk, uh, mitigating risk. And I see that extra person, that third person in the piercing room as a potential risk. Over my career, I, I've instituted lots of different policies to to control, to limit, to, mit to mitigate those risks. One big one was my last piercing studio. I had the, the client table. I would be standing on one side. I would let the friend just stand on the other side of the table. They, they'd have a little bit of space that they can move around in. And then I had one client pass out while I was piercing their friend, uh, not, not their client, I'm sorry. I had one friend, a guest pass out while I was piercing their friend. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to do now? Like this person's on the floor and I'm, I'm holding a needle in my hand. I had another client. Uh, okay, so after that, then it was, okay, there's a chair. You have to sit in the chair. I don't care how like tough you are, how many piercings you've observed. Like if you're gonna be in the room while I'm piercing someone else, you have to sit in that chair, no questions asked. Then I had someone throw up on themselves in the chair because they were watching a piercing and they got queasy. So it's like, okay, all right. And then it was like, sometimes people, they wanna be part of the show, part of the experience, you know, and, and they're talking and they're, they're being like, oh yeah, make sure you put alcohol on it and move it around. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. So at a certain point for me, not everyone, but even if it's one out of a hundred, like making the client's experience less great because of, you know, guest things, 
that makes me like value having the guest in the room a little bit less and a little bit less. If there's a special requirement, obviously I'll make that accommodation. But if it's like a flip a coin 50-50, then it's like, well, I would really just prefer to not have the guest so I can just focus and all of my energy on the client instead of maybe being asked questions by the friend constantly or asking the friend to not use their phone or reminding the friend that they need to just stay seated. Or sometimes if it's a, a parent, that can also be challenging. I'll never tell a parent they can't come in the room, but sometimes managing the parent is, is almost more difficult than managing the, the client service. So yeah, it's like you say, it's, it's energy that you're not putting into the person that's actually having the work done totally. every time that you're, you're trying to think about it. Um, for me, I, I stopped the, as I say, the only thing that I used to do was allow a partner or a friend to come in for intimate piercing. I had to stop doing that because I ended up in a situation where a couple obviously had some kind of like fantasy about watching each other get pierced. Um, and it was very much part of their, you know, like, what would you call it? Scene. Like, it's a scene. It's a, it's a, it's like a, a kink scene. I've, I've heard other piercers reference it plenty of times. And I they, don't want to like kink shame anybody or anything no. like that. But I think that consent is always incredibly important in those scenarios. And if I'm at work and I have nothing to do with this scenario, I don't necessarily want to be pulled into it. Um, you know, like without, without my consent, without my permission, if I'm there doing a job. So then I had to stop offering that as a service. And then when it came down to explaining why, I would just be honest with people. With stuff like that, I hate making up reasons why I don't do certain things. And I'd rather just say, honestly, it's because of this. And and I just, I don't think that's appropriate. So now I don't offer it because like, if you, if you don't feel safe at work, if you don't feel comfortable at work, how on earth are you supposed to be making your client feel safe and comfortable if you don't even feel that way? So for me, the first thing that you need to be at work is safe and, and comfortable and confident in your surroundings so that you can create an environment um, that has, you know, a feeling of safety for your customer. Um, and if you don't feel that way, I, I don't think that that's as achievable. So I, I stopped doing it for that. I would say, you know, if a, if a couple's coming in, if they're booked back to back or whatever, that's fine. They can even come in and look at each other's work, you know, like after each other and, and, and that kind of thing um, and talk about their specific needs and, and all that kind of stuff is still super relevant, um, but they can actually watch each other um, having the work done. No. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, you know, just be, be patient with your clients, um, especially the people who maybe it's this is their first time coming in um, after the worst of lockdown and maybe they need piercing as something therapeutic and, you know, maybe having a, a guest or a friend or a relative or a partner with them is an important part of that experience. Be open to what people need from piercing within your professional and, and personal boundaries. Um, try to be as <laughs> generous as you can with your time and your energy, but don't forget that, you know, you have to, you have to focus that energy on the, the client. And if there are things distracting you from that, you might have to, to change or, or tweak or tighten some of your, your policies. So it, it might not be like a perfect same answer for everyone kind of thing, evaluate your needs in, in your shop. But, um, yeah, sometimes the, the guest can be kind of a, a challenge we don't need. Depends what kind of person you are as well, because there are some piercers that are just so exuberant and personable and, and oh effortless God, yeah. in, every, in, in every human interaction. You see them, do, like I, I had it when I was down at Blue Lotus um, 
working with Nikki, we would have like a like adjoining rooms. So you could kind of hear and see a little bit between rooms. And she would have like, you know, not not an excessive amount of people, but she would have people in there to watch and she'd just be chatting away to them all and doing everything. And I would just be like, you know, in my room, like dealing one on one and thinking like, I just, I don't know how she does that. But it's just a, a lot of it, I think just has to do with your personality type. And I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with that. Some people are really great at managing no. lots of people all around them and it doesn't phase them. And sometimes it actually increases their confidence. Um, and then for other people, it's just, it's a bit of a nightmare. So I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. No, there, there isn't, you know, and again, it is really personality based. Nikki seems like very energetic uh, and I, I know other piercers as an, an example, uh, John Joyce at Scarab in, in Syracuse. I had no idea what their policies are now, but I know that there were points in the past where sometimes I would see a photo of John piercing someone and there would be two or three of that client's friends in the room watching. And I'm sure that Nikki would probably have a, a similar opinion that sometimes that communal experience is exactly. fantastic. Yeah. Because yeah. that means that all those people that you're interacting with that are watching, like those are your clients now. They're going to want to come back and they're going to want to get that same kind of energy and that same kind of experience. So some piercers might see it as like, what are you crazy? You don't want people in the room. That's just like, you know, advertising or community building or whatever. But again, personality wise for me and probably for you, I would be dying inside if I had to, if I had to try to do that and like keep all that energy up from multiple people at a time. Like, I don't, I don't think I have that in me. Yeah. Like one of, one of my favorite compliments that I get from customers that I've been fortunate to get a lot over the years is that I'm very calming. Uh-huh. I really like the way that I say that word. Yeah. Like there's yeah. a Y in it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very calming, which I think is very funny because I'm obviously so stressed all the time. But like, <laughs> I work hard to create that calming environment for them. So in order to do that, you know, it helps for me to be calm and we can kind of pass that energy back and forth. And similarly, for other people that are incredibly exuberant and outgoing, they might feed off of that community element and that might keep their energy up to help like get them through the day. So I think it just, it, you know, like you kind of, you, you work a little bit better if you're creating an environment where you can reflect energy back and forth in a positive way. And for me, it's more in a calming way than it is having people all around me. Hey, can you say calm like five or six more times? Yeah. 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 If you say yeah. that three times in a mirror, I'll, I'll turn up and just make whale noises. Calm. Uh, I haven't talked to anybody from there in a, in a long time, but I just hope that everybody uh, at Calm, the studio, is doing well. Sanchai and everybody else at Calm. Hello. Um, so for the, for the questions that, that I put together in this doc, we're about halfway through and we've done, I think about, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. So what would you think about we just keep talking for a little bit longer and I just split it into a part one, part two? Okay. Okay. So um, before we split into the part two, we forgot to do all the promotional nonsense. So let's talk about classes for a few minutes. Okay. Wow. You sound as excited as all the other people that are probably just skipping this part of the episode already. No. Um, (laughs) So the first thing that I would like to say of my own accord that I haven't been prompted to say in any way at all uh-huh. um, is that 
your tapers class that you did, the free class that you did uh -huh. um, just what, a week and a half ago, was it? I don't remember. Something like that is now available on Patreon. What? Your Patreon, where you post what? work on a regular basis. My Patreon? Um, yeah, your Patreon. Did you not know Patreon. that? Patreon.com slash Ryan PBA? Yeah, that one. Wow. Um, and, you know, like, we make jokes and stuff about how you promote things and, and how you do things. And I know that sometimes it can probably be a bit overwhelming when you have a lot to promote, but I do want to take the, the opportunity to point out, and this is unsolicited, that stuff before was totally solicited. Um, but what I do want to point out is that I don't think that there is anybody that has produced more free content than Ryan has. Um, and when I say produce content, I know that it often, it looks like we're just talking or recording, but I hang out with Ryan, obviously, when he's not filming and he spends hours and hours and days every week, um, you know, like proof listening and proof viewing and editing and, and trying to make everything sound and look as good as possible. And it's a lot of work. There have been many Lola and Ryan movie dates that have been postponed because of Patreon work that needed doing. So um, I know sometimes this stuff looks easy, but it only looks easy because Ryan's really good at doing it. So. I just, I think that um, you should be appreciated for the level of work that you do, that you don't charge anything for. So if you want to put some adverts in the thing that you make completely free in your spare time and drag me into, then do your fucking adverts. <laughs> All right, fine. Fine, I will. Um, available now at patreon.com <laughs> slash RyanPBA is a one and a half hour presentation all about the different functionalities of taper pins. So I talk about what's the difference between concave tapers, but also pin tapers and threaded tapers, various coupling tapers for various, um, you know, procedures and whatever. Different lengths and, and uh, how they, it's called graduation when it goes from the small end to the large end and what uh, kinds of differences the graduations can have and, and the functionality that the, those can give you. And I talk about a lot of tips and tricks too. Like my favorite trick is I pierce all my Prince Alberts at eight gauge and I use an eight gauge needle. But if you put a 10 gauge short threaded taper between the two, you'll get a perfect uh, no wiggle transfer. And it's, it's very, very easy and convenient, but you can also do the same trick for other sizes. I talk about um, how to reverse direction. So if you're uh, somebody who's piercing a nostril, as an example, from the outside in, but you want to be able to install all that like flat back threadless jewelry from the inside out, I talk about how you do that using tapers uh, and also how to do it safely so that you're protecting yourself and you're not putting yourself at, at uh, risk of a needle stick. So I talk about a lot of different stuff, how to use tapers. Um, there's video of me demonstrating a lot of different things and it's an hour and a half long and it's available now on the $15 a month tier on uh, patreon.com slash Ryan PBA. So thank you for saying nice things that almost made me cry a little bit. Oh. No. I uh, uh, just to talk about two other things, one is free and one is paid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> On Sunday, <laughs> July 11th, um, I'll be doing a free presentation about draping. And um, this is a presentation that I'll be recording for Patreon. So the, the free presentation, uh, I'll be talking about 
what draping means first off uh, if you're like vaguely familiar with what draping is um i'll be talking about what materials you should or shouldn't be using for draping you know if you're just draping with like a, a, a piece of a dental bib or a paper towel i'll talk about why maybe that's less ideal than something like uh non-woven gauze or something like csr wrap or, or something like a, a shop towel like a different kind of fabric material that can still be sterilized so i'll talk about draping um, how you prep the skin, when you put the drape on versus when you prep the skin. Um, do you apply your drape with a sterile glove or a not sterile glove? Like all these different things. So whenever I get questions about, uh, hey, what's what's with this? What's with that? I, I, I file it away in my mind and I think like, is this something I can make a class for, make a video for, for Patreon or something? So my next one will be Sunday, July 11th on draping. You can get the information about that uh, by following Body Art Education by Ryan Willette on Facebook. Uh, free to the first 100 people. Um, after that, you're going to be stuck waiting to watch it on Patreon. But uh, I don't know. Draping. What's your opinion on draping? Do you do you drape most of your stuff? Yeah, um, I, I drape most things. Um, yeah, I, I, I drape most things that, that I can because I, I need a little bit of... Um, gauze to put in the stamp to put things on you know like I don't really like to use those little insert trays too much so I always have one so I tend to find that I, I use it for pretty much everything mm -hmm. um there's some stuff that I'm happy enough to to not use a drape for like if I'm doing nipple piercings and things and the area is is quite substantially marked so there's not really any way I'm going to be touching outside of the the prepped area but still I, I think that um they can be adapted into most things. I, I do think, you know how for your, for I, I don't want to give too much away, but for your tapers class, you know how you included the little cute picture of the tapir, the, mm -hmm. the, the little, the, the tapir, and did, did it have like a little song? Yeah. A little song about tapirs. And their yeah. Um, if you wanted like ideas, um, which will, this, this is, I'm sure the first of many awful puns that I'm going to give you from now till July I'm here 11th. For it. I'm here um, for it. But you could do like a parody of, you know, because it's draping, you could do a parody of the, the Dr. Dre song, Forgot About Dre, but make it Forgot About Drape um, and just adapt everything to, to go from Dre to, to Drape or Can't Draping. Believe Can't believe we're dating. Um, thank you. That's a great idea. I'll definitely do that. Um, so uh, yeah, Sunday, July 11th, 2021, free class on draping, body art education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. The tapers class is available now, patreon.com slash Ryan PBA. And um, when this podcast goes live, uh, that will also mean that there is open and live registration for my next offering of my Bevel Theory uh, full day seminar. That's a, a paid seminar. You need to be pre-registered for it to verify professional status. This is not open to uh, amateur body piercers. Uh, this is I not, sorry. Yeah, you can't go. <laughs> um, it's not open to people who are piercing enthusiasts, hobbyists, or like perspective. Uh, I would like to work in a shop one day. This is really just for active professional piercers. Uh, I'll definitely give leeway if, if like you were, uh, active before COVID and now, you know, you, maybe you're in between studios or something. I'm totally open to that. No biggie. Um, but if you, you'll need to at least show me that you were an active body piercer, uh, previous to March, 2020 to, to be able to register for that. So if you're interested in that, 
Again, go to Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. You can get the uh, event page there. You can also go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. You can get the, the sign up page there, but you need to register. Uh, there will be a fee. And um, for the first time, if you are an active subscriber on my Patreon page, um, I'll basically give you that month for free because I will, I will subtract your current subscription from your registration fee. So if you're on that $15 Archmage tier to watch all this other on-demand content like the Tapers class, uh, I will knock off one month subscription from your, your registration uh, when you sign up. You have to already be a Patreon subscriber before you register for the class. Um, but I, I figured that would be a good way to just, you know, appreciate the people who are supporting me on Patreon. I don't want to nickel and dime people, but I, I do want to pay my bills. So uh, that's enough. I think self-promotion tapers class available now draping class free on Sunday, July 11th bevel theory, full day class, Sunday, August 8th, save the date. Registration is open now. Uh, full day class, meaning I'll do a, a full presentation, uh, understanding and applying bevel theory. We're going to do hands-on workshop stuff. If you've ever heard people joking about piercing bananas, that's what we're going to be doing during the workshop. And we're going to work it out. You're going to, you're going to understand and apply bevel theory by the end of that day. So I would love to see you there. So uh, thanks for listening uh, or watching this podcast. Um, if you're uh, on Patreon and thank you to uh, my hot girlfriend for being uh, flexible uh, in both her uh, speaking skills and body. Do you want to say anything before we wrap this up? Just that the whole Dr. Drape thing is gold. <laughs> it's gold, Ryan. Uh, I knew I <laughs> kept it right. Because he's called Dr. Dre. I, and all right. Draping. I, no, I, I got it. I got it. Uh, thank you, Lola Slider, for uh, talking to me today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show on social media on both Facebook and Instagram at Piercing Wizard Podcast. And the best place to get updates about new classes will be to follow Body Art Education by Ryan Willette on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre.